Welcome, International Church of Prague. It is so good to be together to worship the Lord. Also, today is the beginning of Passover, and it's Palm Sunday. So it's a very special day in the life of the church. As we celebrate Lord's Supper together, we'll explore how the Passover points us to the gospel, and specifically to what Jesus the Messiah would do for us. So while you're getting some bread and wine, if you have some candles, you may want to gather those as well. In a few moments, Becky will be sharing some ideas on praying for your family and friends that flows out of both the celebration of Passover and of Shabbat. There are some beautiful traditions that you may want to incorporate into your prayer life, especially during this season where we are separated from each other physically. Well, last week, we saw how Habakkuk learned about how faith overcomes the darkness. Habakkuk looked around and he saw injustice, violence, rape, oppression, fraud, human trafficking, misery, idolatry, and a contempt for God. The very same conditions we often see in our world today. Habakkuk looks around and he sees the evil that is happening around him and he takes his questions to God. Habakkuk says this, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he, what the Lord will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Habakkuk climbs the tower of God's character and he listened for God's word, for God's voice. He stayed obedient to what he knew to do, what he already understood from God's word and from what the Lord had taught him. And he also was prepared for the Lord to correct him for his lack of understanding and his fear. That's what we need to do as well. Habakkuk shows us what real faith is. He chose to both trust in and treasure God over absolutely everything else. As a result, God shared an incredible promise with Habakkuk. When God answers Habakkuk's questions, he reveals to him that he is keeping an account of the evil that is being done. In chapter 2 of Habakkuk, God records five woes of judgment against those who practice evil. God contrasts the way of the proud with the walk of faith of the righteous. And God shares an incredible promise with Habakkuk. And I believe that this promise is what sustains Habakkuk and enables him to sing a song of praise in the darkness. Let's look at the promise. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. Here's what the Lord says. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isn't that a powerful verse? God is telling Habakkuk that what he is doing, that which seems so confusing to him right now, is preparing the nations for the good news of Jesus Christ and for the promise that the end result of the captivity, of the trial, of the difficulty that Judah and Israel are going through and that Habakkuk is experiencing himself, the end result is that the good news, the knowledge of God, will spread to every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. Here's the biblical principle. We are called to live for God's glory, 
to show his greatness and to share his life through faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, if our lives serve even through trial and suffering to further the good news, to further it going out to all people so that all the world will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, then what we go through is worth it because it reaps an eternal reward in the lives of so many people and it's a blessing to us as well. For many years, my prayer has been, Lord, make my life fuel upon which your glory, your greatness burns. I want to be a part of the fulfillment of the Great Commission, where the knowledge of the Lord covers all peoples of every tribe, every tongue, and every nation all across the earth, even as the waters cover the seas. God tells Habakkuk, you're a part of something huge. You are an active part of the fulfillment of this promise. Habakkuk's response to that news is worship. It is to sing in the darkness a song of praise that we'll look at in just a moment. It's a powerful, powerful song. Listen again to what God promised Habakkuk. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This promise is the Old Testament promise that Jesus affirmed in Matthew 24, verse 14, when he said this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. You see, he's giving us a promise that when the gospel reaches every tribe, every tongue, every people, Jesus Christ will return. Then everything will be set right. Then the judge returns and he will balance the scales of justice. And he will also welcome us into his presence. This is why the central goal of our lives should be to spread the gospel to all peoples. Being a part of people coming to know and worship God as Savior and Lord is the greatest pursuit in all the world. It is an eternal pursuit. Habakkuk was confused by the circumstances around him. He was burdened that God's people were going to go through trial, through suffering. But when Habakkuk sees the promise of what God is doing, his response to God is, Lord, it's worth it. Here's the hope. God can take the broken pieces of a life lived for his glory and use them like the facets of a diamond to shine forth his truth into the darkest places on earth. He uses those who give full control over to him to speak life and hope into hurting souls looking for real answers. God never wastes a trial. He uses them to refine us and to show others himself. You may not understand why you are going through the season that you are in right now. You may not know how long it will last, but the promise of God's word is as we stay true to him, as we trust in him and treasure him above everything else, we can have confidence that God is working in the midst of it. He's working to accomplish something that if he told us how it all fits together, we would not believe it. If we knew what God knows, we would always want what God wants and we would wait for his timing. That's the message of Habakkuk. 
So let's look at Habakkuk's response to this promise, that the trial he was facing was going to be the catalyst for the knowledge of the Lord going out to all peoples. What an incredible promise it is. Here's how Habakkuk responds. Chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to the Shiganoth. Now, right there, you may be wondering, what's a Shiganoth? It means a rambling poem. In other words, he's writing down his thoughts, his hearts. He's pouring out his heart to the Lord. Here's what he says. O Lord, I have heard the report of you. And your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of years, revive it. In the midst of years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk says, Lord, I've heard of you. Now I am experiencing who you truly are. And three powerful things are happening at the same time here to Habakkuk. Number one, Habakkuk says, I'm shaking. I'm overwhelmed by you, Lord. I fear. Habakkuk expands on this first part of what's happening to him later on in verse 16. He says this, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones and my legs tremble beneath me. As Habakkuk experiences God, the God he has already heard about, he is overwhelmed personally. When he encounters God with humility and faith that trusts in and treasures him above everything else, he is overshadowed with God's presence, with God's holiness, with God's power. Oh Lord, I have heard the report of you and of your work. Oh Lord, do I fear. In the midst of years, revive it. In the midst of years, make it known. Second thing that Habakkuk says is that I was fearful, but I want more of you. I've encountered you. I'd heard about you. Now I've begun to experience you and it's, it's shaken me to the very core, but that very shaking causes me to want more of you, Lord. And not only for me, but I'm praying out, bring revival, Lord. Make yourself known no matter what it takes. That's the prayer of Habakkuk. And it's an incredible prayer. Habakkuk now has a life purpose to know God and to make him known. That reality overwhelms Habakkuk. It gives him hope in the darkness and faith to endure the storm because Habakkuk's eyes of faith already see the first rays of what God is doing. And he longs for the knowledge of the Lord to break forth and to cover all of the earth. He wants to know God and make God known. Habakkuk's worldview shifts from the political climate of his day, where he had been looking at the relationships between the Chaldeans and the people of Israel, the the children of Judah. He'd been looking on the surface at what was going on, but now God shifts his focus to see eternal realities of what is happening on a global scale, what is happening in the spiritual realm. He begins to understand that to rescue humanity, the peoples of the earth first must be made aware of their deep need for God. And they need to see 
how a person of faith lives in relationship with God and how God carries them through the storm. That leads Habakkuk to pray, not for judgment of his political enemies, but for mercy and grace. You see, he begins this little book with a frustration, with a misunderstanding, with confusion about how God could use a people even more wicked than Judah, the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, to accomplish his purpose. And at first, he wants to see the Chaldeans judged. But God changes Habakkuk's heart. Now he is interceding for them. He says this, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of years, revive it. In the midst of years, make it known in wrath. Remember mercy. Habakkuk prays for his enemies. God, in your just wrath, show mercy. You see the transformation that's taken place in Habakkuk? He began his questions complaining about how bad the Chaldeans, the Babylonians were. Now he's interceding before the Lord for them on their behalf. Habakkuk has experienced not only God's presence, not only God's holiness, he's experienced God's heart. Now he is able for the first time to see his enemies as God sees them because God loves them and longs for them to come to him and to find life abundantly in his son. When you trust in and treasure God above everything else to the point that you are willing to, to do anything, to be an active part of the gospel going forth to all peoples, it will change your heart. It will change how you speak. It will cause you to be broken out of love for them. It'll change your worldview. You see, this is what the gospel does. This is why the gospel is the only thing that can bring people together in real understanding and love. Because now we look at each person, no matter where they're from, no matter their background, no matter their culture, no matter their race, we see them as individuals made in the image of God that God passionately loves. When we allow the gospel to take root in our heart, when we allow God's purpose to be the pursuit of our life, he changes our heart because he'll give us a piece of his own. Habakkuk is transformed by God's answer to look among the nations and see that he is doing a work in his days that he would not believe if told. The earth, all peoples, including your enemies, will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. The result of that is that Habakkuk trembles because he's overshadowed by the greatness of who God is and of what he has done. Habakkuk longs for more, to know God and to make him known. Habakkuk intercedes for his enemies because he now has God's heart for them, a heart of love. And then Habakkuk worships. He sings in the darkness. The trial has not gotten any easier, but Habakkuk is changed. He's transformed. Why? Well, as we look at it, we're going to see that Habakkuk had an incredible encounter with God. 
in chapter 3, verses 3 through 19, describe a theophany. It is a picture of God in action, working amongst humanity. Habakkuk compares God to a mighty storm that overpowers absolutely everything else. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 3. God came from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. The passage forms the most extensive and elaborate theophany to be found in the Old Testament. Now, a a theophany describes an appearance of God in great power and glory, often looking at the events of the Exodus and the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Exodus chapter 19 provides one of the best examples of another theophany, and it's very, very similar to what we read in Habakkuk. Listen to what it says. Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there was thundering and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Mount Sinai was completely covered in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. The smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long, it became louder and louder. And Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. The parallels with Habakkuk's psalm are striking. Habakkuk had an encounter with God, the unchanging God who was holy and almighty. And Habakkuk was changed. The darkness that enveloped Habakkuk was swallowed up in glorious light of God's presence. And Habakkuk did four things to step out of the darkness and into the light of God's presence. Here's what Habakkuk did that we're to do as well. First of all, he looked back. We are to remember God's justice and mercy. Habakkuk remembered what God had done. And the first part of this passage in verses Uh, 2 through 15 is a remembrance, a looking back at who God is and what he has done in the life of his people. Secondly, are not only to look back, but also we are to look inward. We're to rest in God's plan and purpose for our lives. Habakkuk accepted what God was doing in his life. Habakkuk had great faith, but that does not mean that he did not have struggles. Even Paul confessed that he despaired even for life at one point. Here's what he says. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. 
Paul experienced a similar circumstance to Habakkuk. He went through a great trial, but he set his focus on the Lord. And so Habakkuk looked back. He remembered what God had done. He looked inward to see how God was the God he could trust in, the one he treasured and what he was doing in his heart and life. And then he looked up. The third thing that we are to do is to trust God's providence, his goodness. Habakkuk chose trust over emotion. He lived by faith and not by sight. He said, I will quietly wait for the day of trouble. And then finally, he not only looked back, he not only looked in, he not only looked up, he chose to worship, to worship in the darkness. Habakkuk chose to worship the God he loved even when the circumstances looked terrible. This is true worship. We are to remember, we are to rest, we are to trust, and we are to praise. Habakkuk worshiped God for who he is and not just for his gifts that he gave. He sang praise to the Lord. Habakkuk took his doubts to the right place. He took them to God and he waited for an answer. He anticipated that God would correct him. He knew that God was in the right and he just couldn't see everything. He couldn't see things from God's perspective, which is why he needed to go up the tower of God's character and see life from his perspective. But he trusted that God would provide the answers. He would provide what he needed. Now let's look specifically at Habakkuk's response after he had been tested, after he had taken his questions to the Lord, let's look at how he praises the Lord. In chapter three, beginning in verse 17, we have a hymn of faith. Here's what it says. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock be cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like the deer's feet. He will make me walk on my high hills. Now let me translate what Habakkuk says into today's words. Habakkuk says, if everything I have counted on in the past fails, I will worship. If the economy crashes, if the stock market plummets, I will worship. If I lose all my resources, if I lose my job, my savings, my health, my work, I will worship. If COVID shuts down every single store, I will worship. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation because he is my strength. He is the one who makes me secure. He sets my feet like a deer on the mountain of his character, and I stand firm. He makes me to walk on my high places. He changes me. He gives me hope. Habakkuk says, God, whatever happens, no matter how bad it gets, I'm going to trust in you, and I'm going to treasure you. You are the Lord. You are my strength. You are my salvation. Even if everything that I normally would count on falls apart, I know you will not. You see, in essence, what happens is 
there's a wrestling match within us between our autonomy, our wanting to be in control and God's authority. Habakkuk says, God, you win. I'm going to trust in you. I don't have to be in control. I don't have to have things go my way. I'm going to trust that your plans for me are good because you have proven your love for me. God demonstrates his love for you and for me in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God has proven when we were in rebellion, when we were his enemy, he chose to willingly lay down the life of his son for us. Do you see why God calls us to love our enemies and why when we begin to love our enemies and intercede for them as Habakkuk does, it's a reflection that God has given a piece of his heart to us. It's incredible and it's beautiful and it shows we've been changed. But in each one of us, there's a wrestling match between our desire to be in control, our autonomy, our abilities, and God's authority. The testing of our faith ends when we surrender more of ourselves to God, when we choose to trust in and treasure him above everything else. And he comes and strengthens our life and fills us with a knowledge more and more of himself and with the purpose to make him known. Through the testing of our faith, our minds have a clarified view of who God is. Our hearts recognize and embrace God's control. Our wills surrender to his plan and his purpose. And as a result, we learn to worship God with all of our being, with all of our strength, with all that we are. By the way, the name Habakkuk means to embrace. In spite of his doubts and the test of his faith, in the end, Habakkuk embraced God completely. He abandoned his own plans and gave complete control of his life, of his future, of his people, of everything that mattered to him, to God. He rested in God's sovereignty. And he said, if everything else falls apart, if every aspect from this point forward of my plans crumble, my ministry, if my crops, my, my herds, everything I rely on, if it all falls apart, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation because he is my strength. He is the one who makes me secure. No matter what the test, I will trust him. That is the call on each of us today. Will we trust God completely? Or will we rely on our own self-sufficiency, our own ability? Or will we cast ourselves completely on the goodness of God? The testing of our faith is to expose areas of our life that we've not surrendered to his control. We're trying to, to do it in our own power, in our own strength, rather than rest in him. The only real freedom that we truly will find is in God. So what about you? Will you continue to be a slave to your own sin, to your pride, to your ambition, to your selfishness? Or will you allow Jesus Christ to truly set you free by giving all that you are to him? 
When we do, everything changes. Our worldview will either be built on our autonomy or on God's authority. God is the one on whom we can build every aspect of our life. He is our rest. Will you respond like Habakkuk, who trusted in and treasured God above everything else? Will you allow God to transform you? Will you allow Him to shake you? Have your life be overshadowed by the greatness of who He is, and to long to know Him and make Him known with all that you are? If you do, you will find a joy you will find a peace. You will find life abundantly. Habakkuk chose to worship in the darkness. He chose to worship the God he loved, even when the circumstances looked terrible, even when life was miserable. My prayer for us is this. May we become a people who sing in the darkness. The Lord is our salvation. He is our strength. He makes us secure. He sets our feet on our high places. Therefore, we will rejoice in the Lord. We will take joy in the God of our salvation. That is the song of Habakkuk, a song that pushes back the darkness so that the light of God shines forth upon all the peoples of the earth, and the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. God bless you. May he strengthen you. May he give you a deeper understanding of his love, of his truth, of his word. May he fill you and teach you to trust in him and treasure him above all else. And may you find your song in the darkness, a song of worship and praise, because God is worth it.